Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast that we like to call Tom. I, today, Trevor Cummings, am here in Newport Beach, California, in our office, and I'm excited to be here. It has been a while. I don't have recording uh, equipment at home, so we did take a little bit of break. I apologize for that, but I'm excited to be back here with you guys. And today I'm going to be talking about a new article that I wrote called Portfolio Pick and Roll. And yes, there is a little bit of a a pick and roll, this idea of basketball, because I absolutely love basketball. Before we started recording today, I was talking to our director of uh, strategy and communications, Brian Tong, about this new documentary that's out about Michael Jordan called The Last Dance. I would encourage you to watch it. It's a 10-episode docuseries, and it just dives deep into basketball, the culture, and everything that was the Chicago Bulls. So on this high of basketball, I decided to write this article that blends my two favorite things, basketball and personal finance. So here's what the article's about. This is kind of, it might seem like a stretch of like, hey, how, what, what in the world does basketball have to do with personal finance? But let me tell you a little bit of background. Um, basketball has changed the rules uh, over time. And those rules aren't always dramatic changes, but year by year, there's these little changes that do change how the game is played. They change the landscape and the environment and, uh, and coaches and players start to strategize and figure out, hey, how do they maximize these new rules and changes? I do mention in the article that the game of basketball was invented in 1891 by a gentleman by the name of James Naismith. And a lot of people don't know this. He was a Canadian. Basketball is a Canadian sport. That's where it came from. Uh, but some, you know, 120 years later, one of the huge rules that they changed is they added a three-point line. It was in 1979, and there were two gentlemen you might have heard of, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. They were rookies that year, and they introduced this line on the court where if you shot a basket from behind that line, you would get three points instead of two points. Seems innocent. Seems like it won't be a big deal. But it absolutely changed the game of basketball. There's a new book that I read recently called Sprawl Ball, and it's by an author by the name of Kurt Goldsberry. In um, my article this week, I included a chart, and he shows the percentage of shots that are shot behind the three-point line going back to when it was started in 1979 to today. What you'll see in that chart is a line that goes up and to the right, and you'll see that the shots behind the three-point line increased about tenfold, where nearly 35% shot of the shots in the NBA now are shot behind the three-point line. So we can see that this little rule definitely changed the game. But we're talking from 1979 to 2018, that change wasn't immediate. So what instilled that change was this idea when statisticians and, uh, and, and basketball fanatics that also knew how to do math, uh, started to realize that if you could shoot a three-pointer at a 40% efficiency, three times 40% is 1.2, well, if you were normally shooting two-pointers at a 50% efficiency, two times 50% is one, you've realized that the three-point shot can actually be worth more if you can shoot it efficiently. 
which that, again, absolutely changed the game of basketball. You have the general manager of the Rockets, and I, I put this funny little adage in the article. Um, this is a gentleman that graduated from MIT. He had an undergraduate degree in computer science, not somebody you think would be in basketball. But he's also the founder of the MIT um, statistics conference where they, they look into all these nuanced parts of uh, basketball and math. And this was kind of highlighted, I don't know if you saw the movie Moneyball, where it talks about Billy Bean and what he did in, in baseball. But you can see that they're starting to look at basketball as, hey, how do we assess players in a fashion where we can build the ideal roster? And a lot of that ideal roster is around people that can shoot this three-point shot. So we can talk about basketball all day, but I have to bring this back to finance. So why am I making this analogy or why am I having this discussion? The reason I'm talking about this is because we see that there is this Maybe you could argue a tiny change in the game that there was this line drawn on the court and there was this new shot that was worth a little bit more. But you can see over time, it changed the way that people play basketball. Over the last five years, the Golden State Warriors have been in the championship all five years because they play a game of basketball where they shoot a lot of three-point shots. There are other teams. You can call them traditionalists or you can call them stubborn. They haven't acclimated to this new way of playing basketball. So what in the world does that have to do with finance? Well, if we go back to that same year that three-point line was initiated in 1979, if you went out and you lent your money to the government and you bought a one-year treasury, you know what the government was paying you? They are paying you around 10%. That is a very attractive time to be a saver. I think any of us listening to this right now would be happy to give our, government, our, our money to the government right now if we were getting paid back 10% per year. That's not the case. What are we getting paid right now? We're getting paid near zero. You will hear this word a lot, that we are in a, a low interest rate environment. And if you lent your money to the government for 10 years, you might get a half a percent. So it's not very attractive. And one way you could describe that is you could say, we are in an environment that punishes savers and benefits borrowers. Because this is the way interest rates work. There's two sides to the coin. Either I'm receiving the interest rate or I'm paying the interest rate. So right now, if I'm lending money to the government and I'm getting that, you know, less than 1% return or sometimes near zero if they're shorter term uh, borrowing, that's not very attractive. But if I'm refinancing a mortgage or I'm using a portfolio loan, I'm probably getting historically the most attractive rates that we've ever gotten. So just like basketball, the game has changed. The landscape has changed. How do you operate? in a near zero interest rate environment. For a basketball player, how do you operate in an environment where there is a three-point line? So as we said, this is an environment in finance where, in a sense, it punishes savers and rewards borrowers. In the game of basketball, the way I would say it is this three-point line punished mid-range shooters and celebrated the three-point specialist, and the game has changed. Now, what does that mean? Uh, that's, that's fine and dandy that we've made this analogy, um, but what is, what's the application? Or what can I do with my specific financial plan to make a difference? Well, I included three really interesting statistics um, that I wanted you to look at so I can kind of draw this conclusion and begin to think about how you can adjust your plan and your portfolio to be most fitting for the current environment that we're in. So here's those three statistics I put up. One, 
Post-2008, so after the financial crisis, home prices have increased by approximately 25% on average. So we can see that we took a huge dip post-2008, and I think it bottomed somewhere around 2011, 2012, but prices of our homes have started to appreciate from that point. Okay, that's one fact. Another fact, um, the personal savings rate in the U.S. post-coronavirus is the highest it's been um, in the last, I think, 38 some odd years. So individuals are saving more money than they traditionally have. And I'll tell you, most of that money that's being saved, it's being accumulated in a savings account at a bank that probably has close to a 0% return. The third thing I put on here is that homeowners today have more equity than they did uh, prior to the financial crisis. What that means is, as I said, home prices are up on average about 25%. People have refinanced or decreased their debt. So on average, people have more equity in their home than they did in 2008, 2007, 2006. Okay, why does this all matter? Well, this all relates to your balance sheet. Now I can describe what these effects have on your balance sheet. For most of us, I'm not saying all of us, but most of us, you have accumulated more cash than you traditionally have because you're saving more, your personal savings rate's higher. You have more equity in home, your home, than, than you ever have. And that then, in a sense, means that that is overshadowing your debt. So you've shrunk your liabilities compared to your assets on your balance sheet. Now, let me go back. That means that your debt has shrunk and your cash has grown. And I'm telling you that we're in an environment that, and again, I'm not trying to be a broken record, but that does punish savers that are getting cash-like interest rates And it celebrates borrowers that are borrowing at really, really low rates. So what are the actionable things that you can do? I think it definitely applies to your personal situation. So it will be difficult on a podcast to say, hey, Tom, Dick, or Harry, this is exactly what you need to do. So I am going to make this encouragement that you have a conversation with your financial advisor. But let's talk about some hypotheticals on what it could look like. Well, if you look across your portfolio, and let's say your net worth is... $2 million. You have a $2 million investment portfolio. But then over there in your checking account, you're holding $250 or $300,000 in cash. You might hold more cash than is prudent. Um, There's this traditional idea that you might hold three to six months of expenses. I meet a lot of people when I first look at their portfolio, and sometimes they're holding 10%, 20%, 30%, 40% of their liquid net worth in cash. And what have we learned today? That that cash is paying almost nothing. So there's an adjustment that needs to be made there. It would be prudent to look at your financial goals and your financial plan and to reallocate, redeploy that cash in a fashion that would make sense for you. I have other folks I talk to that say, hey, I have all this extra cash and I have this mortgage over here. Trevor, should I just take all this cash and pay off the mortgage completely? Hey, for your situation, yeah, maybe that could make sense. But again, what environment we're in? You you have a mortgage that is around 3% and you have investment opportunities that probably could earn more than that. So is it prudent to pay that mortgage off completely? Probably not. Um and and I know that there's these preconceived notations about uh or preconceived notions about about debt and people's feelings about it. If I was to do a word association game and I said debt, you might say something like burden or evil or or, or something else that has some sort of negative terminology. Um, I'm going to encourage you, you kind of have to scratch that attitude. 
Um, the debt can be perversed. Um, it can be used imprudently. Um, and we all have these anecdotes of, of companies or individuals that did really bad things with debt. So I'm definitely not advising that. I'm saying slow down, be wise, and figure out ways that you can prudently use borrowing across your portfolio to best fit your situation. And honestly, that doesn't always mean that you actually have to borrow money. Maybe you use lines of credit and other things that create safety nets. Like you're not drawing from, but they create emergency safety nets to give you that peace of mind so that you don't have to keep this huge glut of cash on your balance sheet. So what I really want to conclude today's conversation with, and again, because I love basketball and you're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to humor me here, is that the game changed. There's this line on the court that is worth more than any other shot on the court. And some really smart guys ran some statistics and figured out if you're not going to shoot a layup, then you should probably be shooting a three-pointer. I'm telling you today, interest rates are not where they were 30 years ago. It is not the same environment. So you need to think about what does layups and three-pointers look like for your personal financial plan. You have to look at how much cash you hold and is that appropriate. You have to look at the different borrowing opportunities that you have and how they fit into your financial plan. You need to sit down with your financial advisor and make sure that your portfolio is appropriate for the environment that we're in. And that's it. It's simple. So that's all I have for you today. I'm really excited to be back. I'm really excited to be producing podcasts again. As I always welcome you to do, email me at tcummings at thebonsongroup.com. I would love to answer any questions that you have, comments. Go write, go, uh, sorry, go watch The Last Dance. Send me an email. Tell me what you think. Uh, I really loved it, enjoyed it. I hope you do too. And most importantly, uh, go ahead and rate the podcast, put some comments, and uh, we'll be back next week to have another conversation. Thank you for joining us. Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there's no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and it's not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team in Hightower shall not be in any way liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.